Hi everyone, and welcome back to Wikipedia. Um, I'm Andrew, and I'm here being forced to read and review Wikipedia articles for horror movies. I don't like horror movies, but I, I guess that's what I'm being forced to do. Uh, if anyone wants to break me out of this prison, that'd be great. I don't know if there's a way to, but it would be cool. I, um... I miss being on the outside. Um, I feel like that's probably pretty obvious, but it's kind of funny. Um, as a guy with a podcast and who used to have more, um, it's it's. I always liked silence. Um, it makes things way easier to edit if things are silent and there's no noises in the background. And you don't have to run noise reduction and audacity. Um, but ever since I've been here, it's weird how much you miss sound. Um, I I I went for a walk the other day. That's not something I normally did on the outside, but it was really surreal. There's no people. There's no nothing moving cars or forces acting on anything. There's not even wind, which is weird. There are times when I've been outside and I've thought it was silent, but there was always something. You always had a bird chirping in the distance, or maybe a car alarm was blaring somewhere, or you could hear the hum of the interstate just over the hill. But now there isn't. Um, it's weird how lonely that is. I didn't expect it when I I went outside. I thought it might help me feel better, but it was kind of overcast. It's always overcast, which I used to enjoy, but now it just feels ever-present and dull. And I couldn't really get over the silence. Anyways, The Bye Bye Man is a 2017 American supernatural horror film directed by Stacy Tittle and written... It's probably Stacy Tittle, I'm sorry. And it's written by Jonathan Penner. It's based on the chapter The Bridge to Body Island in Robert Damon Schneck's book The President's Vampire. Holy shit, what the fuck is The President's Vampire? That sounds like a way more interesting thing than whatever The Bye Bye Man is. I'm very curious what the president's vampire is. That sounds terrifying. The film stars Douglas Smith, Lucien Laviscount, English actress Chrysidia Bonus, Doug Jones, Carrie Ann Moss, Faye Dunaway, and Jenna Cannell. That's, that's cool. Um, looking over the Wikipedia page, it's pretty well filled out. You got a good section on the box office results, which... Apparently it grossed $22.4 million in the United States and Canada, and $4.3 million in other places, so they're a bit smarter than we are. Uh, according to this, it released alongside the openings of the movies Monster Trucks and Sleepless, so maybe it makes sense that people saw this instead of anything else, because none of these other movies look interesting. It has a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's cool. 
I'm glad that's included in the Wikipedia page, so I know what I'm getting into. Anyways, in 1969, a mass murder occurs in Madison, Wisconsin, during which a man kills people on his block. As he shoots the neighbors, he continuously asks if anyone spoke the name which cannot be said. I bet he's not talking about Voldemort. He also repeats the same thing over and over. Don't say it, don't think it. Don't think it, don't say it. And that's pretty spooky. In the present day, Elliot, his girlfriend Sasha, and a friend John move into an off-campus house not far from their college. Soon, mysterious things start to happen, such as Sasha developing a strange cough and Elliot finding coins in a nightstand that continually reappear. That's not super strange, that's just a cold and a good return on investment. Elliot also finds writing consisting of don't think it, don't say it, and a name. The Bye-Bye Man. That's decidedly unspooky. The Bye-Bye Man isn't a name, either. It's just a... a descriptor. During a seance involving their friend Kim, the name is mentioned. That's probably the least spooky seance of all time. Can you imagine if you're trying to contact a ghost, and you say, what is your name, and then the thing writes, Bye-Bye Man, on a Ouija board? That doesn't sound spooky at all. Anyways, Sasha continues to become sick as Elliot and John start experiencing hallucinations and stranger activity. Elliot begins to suspect that Sasha's cheating on him with John, like what Virgil had said at the party before the bye-bye man was released. Wait, the bye- oh, he's talking about the ghost. For a second, I thought they were talking about the movie being released in the movie. Um, anyways, if- Sasha's sick. She's probably not cheating on you, bud. She's probably cheating on you with some NyQuil. That's all I want when I'm sick. I definitely don't want infidelity. <sighs> a librarian shows Elliot a dossier about the bye-bye man. A teenager killed his family and told a reporter that the bye-bye man made him do it. So it's like the Slenderman. The same reporter later became the mass shooter during the 60s, who killed himself after realizing people knew about the bye-bye man. Kim is killed after she's struck by a train. Elliot is taken in for questioning by Detective Shaw and is released when Kim's suicide note reveals she killed her roommate and was planning on killing Elliot, Sasha, and John. Okay, so things are getting kind of spooky. People are starting to die, and we're starting to get a body count. Elliot also visits the widow of the reporter, who reveals that the curse causes insanity, hallucinations, and eventually death. Signs of his comings are coins mysteriously appearing, sounds of a train, and a large, skinless hound. That's spooky. Those are three very weird things coming together to reveal that something's happening. I'm trying to think of the kind of person I'd have to be if the three symbols of me were money-appearing places, train noises, and a big old messed-up dog. But I can't really think of anything. It'd probably be pretty spooky, though. Anyway, the only way to prevent it is to not think of his name or speak of him. If someone already knows, they must be killed. The librarian is hit by Elliot's car by accident, after she killed everyone in her home, coming for Elliot next. So the name you can't know is the Bye-Bye Man? Uh-oh.
I definitely know the name. Anyways, Sasha and John are also suffering from the hallucinations. Elliot finds John stabbing Sasha. He shoots John, but after he picks up the corpse, it's revealed to have been Sasha that was stabbing John. Therefore, Elliot killed Sasha. What? Hold on. Sasha and John are also suffering from hallucinations. Elliot finds John stabbing Sasha. Then Elliot shoots John, but after he picks up the course, it's revealed that it was actually Sasha stabbing John. And Elliot killed Sasha, thinking it was John. Okay. The Bye-Bye Man appears and gives Elliot a hallucination. Here you go. Elliot keeps Virgil and his daughter Alice away long enough for him to shoot himself with a gun. Virgil and Alice get away before the entire house goes up in flames. While riding home, Alice reveals that she found coins in the nightstand near the trash, along with the writing. However, she couldn't read it due to her poor night vision. Detective Shaw arrives at the scene, where John is found to be alive but wounded. John then whispers the name to Shaw, allowing the bye-bye man's curse to spread again. John, why would you do that? It's not very nice. Lucien Naviscount, I'm not very fond of you. Anyways, this is a pretty good Wikipedia page. Uh, if you want to read it yourself, you can go to en.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash the underscore by underscore by underscore man. Um, the page itself is pretty okay. The movie itself sounds like garbage. I don't even know if I'd want to give it 27%. Was it 21%? I wouldn't even give it that either. Okay. Well, the next movie on our list is going to be one that's probably about as good. It's a movie called Hereditary. That That's a fake out. I've actually heard that Hereditary is pretty good. But Hereditary is a 2018 American supernatural psychological horror drama film written and directed by Ari Aster in his feature directorial debut. It stars Tony Collette. Alex Wolfe, Millie Shapiro, and Gabriel Byrne as a family haunted by a demon after the death of their secretive grandmother. That sounds pretty spooky. If you all want to follow along, you can find the website. It's at en.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash hereditary underscore parentheses film and parentheses. The uh, Wikipedia page is pretty good. Uh, it's got a good cast section. Uh, it's only like six people big, though. Um, and you can see that there's a lot of stuff dedicated to the to the to the production, and the casting, and filming, and the release. And uh, it, this picture won a lot of rewards. Unlike Bye Bye Man, it's got 51 different references, so you know it's a pretty well put together Wikipedia page. But is the plot as well put together as the page? That's for me to decide. That's a new catchphrase that we're trying to workshop. Tell me if you like it. Um, I think the egg has a Twitter that you can send messages to him and he'll let you know. Is that right, egg? Yes! Okay, yeah, just follow him there and you'll be good. Anyways, here's the plot. Welcome to Hereditary. Annie Graham is a miniature artist who lives in... Y oh, she... 
She makes miniatures. She's not a tiny artist. Okay, let me restart. Let me reframe my mind. Annie Graham is a miniature artist who lives in Utah with her husband, Steve, their 16-year-old son, Peter, and eccentric 13-year-old daughter, Charlie. She's probably not eccentric. She's probably just 13. At the funeral of her secretive mother, Ellen Lee, Anne delivers a eulogy explaining their fraught relationship. Steve is later informed that Ellen's grave has been desecrated. That's spooky. Annie attends a support group for the bereaved and reveals that her family suffered from mental illness that resulted in their deaths. That's pretty spooky. Usually a lot of movies tend to take mental illness as a metaphor in horror movies that... Just... I'm cutting that. I don't really know where I'm going with that sentence. To attend a party... Peter lies that he's going to a school event, and Annie forces him to take Charlie with him. Uh-oh. Unsupervised, Charlie eats cake containing nuts, to which she's allergic, and falls into anaphylactic shock. That's pretty spooky, folks. Make sure you carry an EpiPen if you need it, and try to avoid your allergen triggers. I'm lucky enough that I don't have any, but not everyone's in that same boat, and anaphylactic shock is scarier than the bye-bye man. As Peter drives her to a hospital, she leans out the window for air and is decapitated by a telephone pole? What the fuck? That's... That's not spooky, it's just a weird plot development. In shock, Peter leaves his sister's corpse in the car for their mother to discover the next morning. Peter, what the fuck? Yeah, I gotta say, I don't know much about this movie, um, but I don't like Peter that much, and I'm kind of on board with this plot summary. I'm starting to get pulled in. This is... I don't know that it's spooky, but it's a messed up movie. The family grieves and tension rises between them all, leading to Annie viciously berating Peter one night at dinner for his actions. I would berate Peter one night, too. Peter is plagued by Charlie's presence around the house, as he should be. Annie is befriended by a support group member named Joan. Influenced by Joan, Annie forces her family to do a seance to communicate with Charlie. Y'all don't do seances. I know it sounds like it could be fun, but I've never seen a movie where people do a seance and it goes a-okay and nothing bad happens as a result. A seance is at their best is just someone going to rip you off and take your money. And at worst, you're going to get possessed. Not sure which one's worse. Charlie seemingly possesses Annie until Steve douses her with water. Suspecting that Charlie's spirit has become malevolent, Annie throws Charlie's sketchbook into the fireplace, but her sleeve also begins to burn. Why would you antagonize a ghost by getting rid of the sketchbook? That doesn't seem very nice. She quickly retrieves the book and heads to Joan for advice, but Joan is missing. She notices that Joan's welcome mat resembles her mother's craftwork and goes through her mother's possessions, finding a photo album linking Joan to Ellen, and a book with information about a demon named Pyman, who's a king of hell and wishes to inhabit a male host. That's no good. That's real spooky. She also finds pictures of Ellen with members of the cult who worship her as their leader. Grandma was a cult leader, huh? That's spooky. I hope my grandma's not a cult leader. It'd probably be a pretty boring cult. 
In the attic, she finds Ellen's decapitated and rotted body and a strange symbol on the wall written in blood. Did they... Oh, because the grave had been desecrated. That's real spooky. I wouldn't want to find that anywhere. At school, Peter sees a disturbing apparition of himself and slams his head against his desk, breaking his nose. That's spooky. Annie begs Steve to burn the sketchbook so she can sacrifice herself and stop the haunting. Uh, Steve sees Ellen's body, but assumes Annie has gone mad. When Annie throws the book into the fire herself, Steve bursts into flames and dies. What the fuck? That's real spooky. Peter awakens to find his father's charred body and encounters a nude man. He's then chased off by a now-possessed Annie into the attic. Levitating, Annie beheads herself with a piano wire as naked coven members and a shocked Peter watch. What the fuck? That's spooky. In fear, Peter jumps out the window. A light enters his body, a light enters his body, and he stands, following Annie's levitating corpse into Charlie's treehouse. There, Peter sees Charlie's severed head with a crown. Joan, other coven members, and the headless corpses of his mother and grandmother bow to him. What the fuck? Joan puts on the crown on Peter's head, explaining that Charlie had originally been the host of Pyman since her birth, which was Ellen's doing, but they've now corrected their mistake. Pyman has been given the desired male host. The cult members pledge their lives to Pyman, allowing him to rule over them. That's real spooky. I don't want to see this movie at all. It sounds cool. I definitely don't want to see it. Anyways, the Wikipedia page is pretty good. Turns out, uh, had a pretty decent box office result, and has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, that's good. I'm glad to hear this one's a bit better than the Bye Bye Man. I just read a summary of the Bye Bye Man, and I already don't remember what it's about. Anyways, I guess that feels like a good enough reason to move into our next episode. Um, or our next movie, I guess. Uh, this one, we're going to be covering The Babadook. The Babadook is a 2014 Australian psychological horror film written and directed by Jennifer Kent in her directorial debut, and produced by Christina Caden and Christian Moliere. The film stars Essie Davis, Noah Wiseman, Daniel Henshaw, Haley McElhenney, Barbara West, and Ben Winspear. It's based on a 2005 short film Monster, also written and directed by Kent. Huh. If you want to follow along, you can go to en.wikipedia.org slash wiki slash the underscore babadook, and you'll be able to find it. But so far, this page looks a little lacking. There are some good sections on each thing. Actually, as I keep scrolling down, there's more and more here. This is a pretty good page. There's a lot of nominations, a lot of won awards. Looks like there's a section dedicated to the LGBT community? That's interesting. And there's also a section dedicated to symbolism in the movie. That's pretty neat. I like it when there's symbolism in horror movies. Anyways, if you want to follow along with the plot, let's see how we like it. I bet I'm going to like it more than Bye Bye Man. Amelia Vanek is a troubled and exhausted widow living in the Australian city of Adelaide, which has brought up, who has brought up her six-year-old Samuel alone. 
Her late husband, Oscar, was killed in a car accident that occurred as he drove Amelia to the hospital during labor. So far, car accidents have happened in all three movies in this set. There is our connective tissue for this episode. Good work, team. Sam begins displaying erratic behavior. He becomes an insomniac and is preoccupied with an imaginary monster, against which he's built weapons to fight. Amelia is forced to pick up her son from school after Sam brings one of the weapons there. That's spooky. One night, Sam asks his mother to read a pop-up storybook called Mr. Babadook. It describes the titular monster, the Babadook, a tall, pale-faced humanoid in a top hat with taloned fingers who torments his victims after they become aware of its existence. Hmm. Y'all, if you're being tormented by a monster that torments people that know about it, maybe you should just not tell other people about it. Sometimes it's for the best if you take one for the team. And if you know about the Babadook, maybe don't write a pop-up storybook about the Babadook. You're just being a vector at this point. That's not very cool. Anyway, Amelia is disturbed by the book and its mysterious appearance, while Sam becomes convinced that the Babadook is real. Sam's persistence about the Babadook leads Amelia to have to often have sleepless nights as she tries to comfort him. That's no good. Soon after, strange events occur. Doors open and close mysteriously by themselves, strange sounds are heard, and Amelia finds a glass shards in her food. That's spooky. She attributes the events to Sam's behavior, but he blames the Babadook. Amelia rips up the book and disposes of it. At her birthday party, Sam's cousin Ruby bullies Sam for not having a father. That's spooky. Don't be mean. Ruby, that's not very nice. In response to which, he pushes her out of the treehouse. As a result, she breaks her nose in two places. Okay, that's not a very good response to that either. That's pretty spooky. I didn't realize you could break your nose in two places, but I guess that makes sense. Also, that sentence has a built-in comma splice, but it also has a semicolon. I'm going to have to dock this page for that grievous grammar error. Not a fan. Anyways, Amelia's sister Claire admits that she can't bear Sam, to which Amelia takes great offense. I would too. Don't tell people you hate their kids. On the drive home, Sam has another vision of the Babadook and suffers a seizure, so Amelia is able to get sedatives from a pediatrician. That doesn't happen on the drive home, I assume, so maybe we should cut it out with this bad sentence structure. The following morning, Amelia finds the Mr. Babadook book reassembled on the front doorstep. That's spooky. New words taunt her by saying that the Babadook will become stronger if she continues to deny its existence, containing pop-ups of her killing her dog Bugsy, Samuel, and then herself. That's spooky. Terrified, Amelia burns the book and runs the police after a disturbing phone call. However, Amelia has no proof of the stalking, and when she then sees the Babadook suit hung up behind the front desk, she leaves. Amelia starts to become more isolated and shut in, becoming more impatient, shouting at Samuel for disobeying her constantly, and having frequent visions of the Babadook once again. That's spooky. Her mental state slowly decays, and she exhibits erratic and violent behavior, including cutting the phone line with a knife and then waving the same knife aggressively at Sam without realizing it. That's spooky. 
This devolves into disturbing hallucinations, where Amelia violently murders Sam. I don't like this at all. Shortly after these visions, Amelia sees an apparition of Oscar, who offers to return to her if she brings the boy to him. Realizing that he's a creation of the Babadook, Amelia flees and is stalked through the house by the Babadook until it finally possesses her. That's no good. Under its influence, she breaks Bugsy's neck and attempts to kill Sam. Eventually luring her to the basement, Sam knocks her out. Tied up, Amelia awakens with Sam, terrified, nearby. When she tries to strangle him, he lovingly caresses her face, causing her to regurgitate an inky black substance, which seemingly expels the Babadook. That's spooky. But when Sam reminds Amelia that you can't get rid of the Babadook, an unseen force drags him to Amelia's bedroom. After saving Sam, Amelia is forced, to, is forced by the Babadook to rewatch a vision of her husband's death. Furious, she confronts the Babadook, making the beast retreat into the basement, and she locks the door behind it. That's pretty spooky. I wouldn't want a Babadook living in my basement. After this ordeal, Amelia and Sam manage to recover. Amelia is attentive and caring toward him, encouraging him toward the weapons he makes and being impressed with Sam's magic tricks. That's not spooky. That's pretty cool. Minus the weapons bit. They gather earthworms in a bowl, and Amelia takes him to the basement, where the Babadook resides. She places the bowl on the floor for the Babadook to eat. However, as the beast tries to attack her, Amelia calms it down, and it retreats to the corner, taking the earthworms with it. That's spooky. Amelia returns to the yard to celebrate Sam's birthday. That's pretty spooky, y'all. I don't really like that, and I really wouldn't want to have to lock a Babadook in a basement. That's no good. I wonder what they say that this is symbolism of her. Eh, this isn't funny. Anyways, um, the plot of that one seemed a little weird, and I do have to dock at some points because it's not very well written, but I've heard this movie's pretty good, and the thing seems like it might back it up. I like this Wikipedia page, and I'd probably like this movie if I did like horror movies, which I don't. Anyways, um... I think that's going to do it for me. Uh, Egg, if you have anything else to put in, or feel free to plug your Twitter account again. You can follow us at Wikipedia on Twitter. Also, subscribe to the Organs on Patreon for cut content. Okay, good to know. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be it for us. Um, I'm going to go take another five-minute break before I'm going to be forced to record another episode. So, I'll talk to you then, I guess. Bye. Have you ever watched the anime called One Piece? Yeah, Joe. I watch it for a podcast that we do. B what? You know, we are watching One Piece.
I started watching it so you could rewatch it, and then we talk about it sometimes. I have I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we don't do it super frequently. Once a month, the best. Did Did you forget? We analyze the story and discuss the show's themes, characters, compare it to other media, and how it provides an allegory for real life politics and events. I I must have forgotten. What? Where can I listen to remind myself? You can listen at the Orange Groves Podcast Network or search for We Are Watching One Piece in your favorite podcast app. What's a podcast? 